Marlins bullpen was nails in 2023. Will it still be nails in 24? Who will be the key players equally? Who are the surprise names that could make a huge impact in this Marlins bullpen in 2024? As you may have guessed, bullpen conversation today on Locked On Marlins. Let's go. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Feeling very singy today. Sing songy. If you're listening to the pod, hit subscribe. Of course, guys, this is your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. It's Monday, the 30th of October. Welcome to another week and welcome to Monday. Uh, there is a YouTube channel, of course, as well, guys. Make sure you head on over there. Hit subscribe there, too. If you are watching, you will see no UK goat Sean Barrett. Uh, he is hopefully back later in the week. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll uh, have a good conversation with Sean. I've still got this shortstop conversation queued up. I haven't had that I want to have with Sean. But this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Guys, thanks for joining me on Monday, the 30th of October. It's bullpen time, baby. This is an extension of last week's episode. Ran out of time. Got a bit carried away, I think, with some postseason playoff conversations. So this uh, bullpen stick or twist kind of. You know, there wasn't enough time. So I had to hit pause and do it justice. So there's going to be a lot of talk about the bullpen here in around about a 20-minute conversation and thinking about who are going to be the main protagonists, who could be the surprise guys that are moved, who definitely won't be back, and who may, who may be making impact in the bullpen that maybe we don't quite expect into 24. In summary, from a bullpen perspective in 2023, the bullpen and the word that was used the most was nails, not blowy. No, it was nails. The The pen was nails in the main for the Marlins. It was the MVP. The MVP was the bullpen, which is crazy, crazy. One thing I must say that has changed now, and one thing that I think we will miss, we will miss, Kim Ang, when she took up her role as general manager and was able to piece things together, one thing I would say with Kim, her ability to piece together a bullpen was impressive. We're going to miss that, in my opinion. Under the years of Magic Mike Hill, it was less impressive on the bullpen, I would say. It was nowhere near as deep and as stuff-heavy as the type of bullpen that Kim has pieced together in the past couple of seasons. This isn't just last year, in 2023. No. I think there's been signs of progressiveness in the bullpen for quite, you know, since Kim's been around, to be honest with you. 2023 was her was her masterpiece, her Mona Lisa, from a bullpen perspective anyway. And really, that was, it was headed. It's funny how, like, the bullpen kind of flexed as the year went on, but it was headed by Tanner Scott. It was backed up 
by Andrew Nardi. There was a lot of length delivered from George Soriano and Brian Hoeing. Braxton Garrett started in the pen, transitioned to the, the rotation. Meaningful innings from Huasca Brazaban. JT Chagua came in, started well, got injured, then flamed a bit, then kind of did what he did. Do you remember AJ Puck started the year as the closer? Do you remember that? We were all like, oh my days, this is the best closer ever. The Marlins then traded for David Robertson. That didn't work. Man, oh man, bullpens. Just even reading that, I mean, I'm not reading it, I'm just saying it. But, you know, I'm digging into my mind. Just remembering all that happened in 2023 with bullpens comes back to, it's the, the key word, is volatility. <laughs> what you think you know going into next year will likely not reoccur. And that's where I wanted to start, actually. It's at the bottom of the rundown here today, those that have got the graphics to help. But I want to talk about Tanner Scott and start there because the turnaround from Tanner Scott in 2022 to 2023 was frankly remarkable. Remarkable turnaround. He was, in some metrics and some measurements, the best reliever in the game in 23, which is wild. The stuff had always been there for Tanner Scott. We'd always seen it. But so was the walk rate too. And it's fair to say that a lot of us, a lot of us definitely weren't trusting Tanner Scott heading into the year. And he kind of assumed his, his maybe the role that was scripted for him earlier on. AJ Puck stepped into the closer slot and performed pretty well early on. Tanner Scott was working in, you know, mid-leverage, setup role type of thing. Did well. AJ Puck then gets hurt and then never quite rediscovered things. And through that period, then Tanner Scott asked to kind of take a more prominent role. You have to say, Tanner Scott, it was a stunning surprise. Just a reminder on the contract situation for those that are thinking about it, thinking, hmm, how many years of control do the Marlins remain and have on Tanner Scott? Just one year. Final year of arbitration uh, entering this year. So that's a worry. That's a worry in some sense in that um, if the Marlins have unearthed one of the best closers in the game, unfortunately, they've only fully tapped into that right at the back end of his club control. So that will be a storyline. I don't think it'll be a storyline. Well, it will be a storyline because he's arbitration eligible, clearly. Third year, final year of ARB. The Marlins have an opportunity to get some multi-year extension done. What I would say with Tanner Scott, this is the funny thing. I saw the Braves extended some reliever. And I have to be totally honest, I think it was seven and a half million a year, a two-year deal with I think maybe a third option year in there. I'd never heard of this guy. And you know, it that's the, the Braves way of doing it. They love an extension. If they find a stud, they extend them. That's just the Braves methodology, which makes a ton of sense. But I do wonder if the Marlins look to do something like that with Tanner Scott now. And you know, imagine that two, two years. Seven and a half million. What do you think? Would you be happy committing that amount of money to Tanner Scott? Granted, you know, taking into consideration like the total payroll is like 100, 110. It's a relatively sizable chunk. However, if you get 2023 Tanner Scott in 2024 and 25, it'll absolutely be worth it. Absolutely. But the word we always have to remember when any bullpen and any piece is discussed volatility. <laughs> so, I think it's, 
you know, it's high risk, high reward in some ways. And the Marlins will know Tanner Scott really well, clearly by at this point. If they truly believe in Tanner Scott, then they need to find a way to enter into a multi-year agreement at some stage with him. The reality is they should do that now and look to have at least a two-year commit on Tanner Scott. And I, I can't even remember the guy's name from the Braves. And I don't know if he's that good. He's definitely not as good as Tanner Scott. So, you know, is that the market rate two years, seven and a half ago? But here's the thing. If the Marlins take a backward step in 24 and, you know, let's let's say that, you know, if they don't extend Tanner Scott and they take a backward step in 24 and Tanner Scott's having a decent year, then there's a strong probability that Tanner Scott is not finishing the year with the Marlins which is the right thing to do. The thing, though, here is, if the Marlins enter into a two-year agreement with Tanner Scott, let's say it's two years, seven and a half. That's, you know, that's just the number I'm going to work with. Two years, seven and a half a year, maybe a third year bolded on, similar to this Braves deal. That's still, if Tanner Scott is performing, even though if the Marlins aren't, that's still a very tradable contract. Let's not forget the Marlins took on the Matt Barnes contract, which they kind of didn't. There was offset. There was some money kept. And there was a, a Richard Blyer swap in there. But, you know, that kind of deal that, that Matt Barnes ended up signing with the Red Sox, like, they are still movable guys, particularly, I mean, Matt Barnes, the, the, the Red Sox didn't see any value in. But Tanner Scott, if he's, you know, performing at the same levels, then he's still a hugely valuable, and if not more valuable, asset for the Marlins. So for me, you extend Tanner Scott this offseason in the hope that he's able to carry on. And even if the Marlins take a backward step in 24, there's nothing lost because he'll be hugely valuable and even more valuable to the Marlins at the deadline if indeed they need to trade him because it isn't just a rental. And we saw what you know high-quality rental arms cost because we, at that point, tried to acquire one. Didn't quite work out that way, but for some, what the Marlins gave up was really sizable for a leverage arm in David Robertson. Just imagine the cost if it was a high leverage, quality dependable arm that wasn't, that wasn't an expiring deal. Just imagine the return you could get on that. So for me, for the Marlins, for Tanner Scott, I think it should be one of the biggest priorities this offseason to extend Tanner Scott. If things go badly sideways in that he regresses back to old Tanner Scott, it's still a valuable arm. He's always got the stuff. It's always going to be there. It's just if he maybe loses the command and that returns back. But the way he was pitching in 23 was absolutely incredible. He was so unfazed. It was incredible. Often, often what we've seen with Marlins pitching bullpen pieces is that ninth inning, they just struggle to deal with it. Tanner Scott, it felt just like fully embraced it. And I think it summed it up most when Whoever it was trying to run from second, he was like looking to steal third. Tanner Scott just looked at him and was like, I don't care. I'm just going to strike out the hitter. And he did. Summed it up. So for me, Tanner Scott, can he repeat 23? I think it's going to be a tough ask. It's going to be a bit like Sandy and his Cy Young year. That's probably going to be, 23 will probably be Tanner Scott's career year. Is that still worth a, a slight regression backwards in 24? Is it still worth seven and a half million, a multi-year contract? Is it worth 15 million right now? I think it probably is because you've got that career year on record, lefty arm, incredible stuff. 
They're tough to find. The Marlins have found one. They should absolutely extend Tanner Scott, even, even if they're intending to trade him at some stage. doesn't matter. They'll enhance their return if they can find a deal with Tanner Scott. Going to carry on this bullpen conversation, but before we do that, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. Um, guys, right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. Yes, sir. With any winning $5 money line bet. So you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, back here with me, Peter Pratt. On Monday, the 30th of October, we are talking bullpen, baby, and we are talking stick or twist. And what I've already laid out, the Marlins should absolutely commit to Tanner Scott right now. Will he take a step back in 24? Likely. Will it still be a valuable contract at a two-year 15? Yes. Can you still trade him if you need to in 2024 if the wheels come off? Yes. It's a no-risk, pretty much a no-risk extension if Tanner Scott is willing to entertain it. What does he think about this situation? Is he willing to commit to the Marlins? I think the Marlins can get a deal done with Tanner Scott relatively easily. I think they can. I think they should. And I think perhaps they will this offseason. On the flip side, so when we look at the roster and who's going to be around in the bullpen, like there's some obvious candidates of like who'll be back and who'll be returning. You know, it's, you know, Tanner Scott, obviously we've already talked about. Andrew Nardi, uh, you know, he's still on league minimum money. Another lefty, stunning year for Andrew Nardi, 267 ERA. Nailed on, he's still around. AJ Puck, who the Marlins traded for, he's entering arbitration, I believe. I believe he is this year. Um, he ended up with a sub four ERA. It started well and faded. Um, again, the strikeout is there with AJ Puck. He's going to be around. You've got the three, those three lefties then, right? Scott, Nardi, Puck. They're definitely around. JT Chagua, interesting year, ends up with a 361 ERA. Started well, had a bit of a wobble, but the Marlins, they really struggled to find like setup guys, righty guys in particular. There's still a need for that, clearly. All the guys I've talked about right now, all righties. Uh, sorry, lefties, sorry. So Chagua, who they traded for, I think he sticks around. Anthony Bender could be back. Anthony Bender could be back, guys. Missed the whole of 2023, but Tony Bender, do you remember just how effective he was, particularly before he had to slide into that closer spot in the sixth, the seventh, you know, the eighth innings? If Anthony Bender can come back firing on all cylinders, then that's going to be huge, huge for the Marlins. It didn't quite work out for Tony Bender in the closer role, but, you know, for me, he's, he's going to be a valuable piece um, for this bullpen. Stephen O'Kurt. Now, this is a guy we do need to talk about in the and I mentioned it on last episode. in the last episode. Another lefty. So, like, how many lefties can the Marlins legitimately have in this pen? You've got to question whether you need four of maybe your six guys that either take, you know, a sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth inning to be a lefty. It's probably a lefty too many, to be honest. And the way Stephen O'Kurt finished the year, not impressive. He moves into arbitration, Stephen O'Kurt, 
And whilst he's had a good run with the Marlins, like they kind of scooped him up out of nowhere. I have a sense that Stephen O'Kurt's time with the Marlins may well end at some point, maybe this offseason, maybe via a trade. I think he is a likely trade candidate. There are no option years remaining on Stephen O'Kurt either, so there is no roster flexibility. So I think there's a strong chance that O'Kurt ends up moved and traded this year. Don't know what for, but the Marlins need to get a little bit more balanced in the bullpen. They need a few more righties, and they need a few more righties they can depend on. Another lefty I don't think adds a, t- a ton of value. It feels like the bullpen ends up a touched imbalance, particularly when you've got quite a lefty-heavy rotation in some ways with Lozado and Brax that will be um, some of the main guys, particularly if Trevor Rogers is back. You end up with like a lot of lefty looks. So I think Stephen O'Kurt gut feel is will be traded this offseason, uh, if not even a, a potential non-tender candidate. I'm saying that without even 100% knowing he's uh, ARB eligible, but I think he is. Should have done more research on that one. But hey-ho, I think O'Kurt is gone one way or the other. He ended the season poorly, really poorly for O'Kurt. It was not that impressive. I lost confidence in him. Marlins Twitter definitely lost confidence in him. Everyone has a dip, and that's the point with bullpen guys. Volatility. And with O'Kurt, it there's been good streaks, and particularly at the back end of the year, less so. But other clubs will still see value in lefty guys like O'Kurt, low-cost guys that have a relatively proven recent record. Um, so I think he's tradable. I think the Marlins just look to potentially um, add a little bit more balance in the bullpen. Other guys that we need to talk about briefly, George Soriano, I must say. Soriano, you know, up and down, all sorts of different roles, etc. Impressive season. Um, two minor league options remaining on Soriano. So there's going to be likely, you know, a similar story for him, up and down. Uh, Matt Barnes already mentioned the Marlins do have a, a, a club option on him with a buyout. The Marlins will absolutely buy him out of that. I think the club option was $8 million, way too much for the Marlins uh, for a guy that, you know, is is effectively a, you know, middle reliever at this point. So where else does that leave him? Well, you know, we talked about Brian Hoeing. Um, he also delivered you know, plenty of meaningful innings uh, for the Marlins as the year went on. Um, started, long man, et cetera. He ended the year really poorly. And his ERA, final ERA on the season, 548. That surprised me for Brian Hoeing. He had a, he had a spell where he was like lights out. And then I don't know if it was just overuse or something, maybe just all these different roles changing. I don't know. But Hoeing, multiple um, option years remaining. You know, he's going he's gonna to be providing valuable innings again for the Marlins, in, in my opinion. You then have to think about, um, you know, what's, What's a guy like um, Ryan Weathers going to be offering? Is he going to be given the opportunity to start? I think so. I think the Marlins are going to hope to do a Jesus Lazaro 2.0 on him. But for me, the one wild card, just thinking about it and just kind of piecing this together, in summary, for me, the Marlins bullpen looks pretty set. They've got a ton of guys that have got their cheap in the main. Tanner Scott, the most expensive. Um, Matt Barnes won't be around. A lot of cheap guys, a lot of stuff in there. A lot of experience from 2023. A lot of guys that you can depend upon. You add in Tony Bender into the mix. That's another uptick for the Marlins. The question then comes is whether there's there's a situation, and I think there is, where you have one of the starters potentially transition into a high leverage option out of the bullpen. 
One of those that we have talked about during the season in 23, that many talked about because of the command issues, was Edward Cabrera. Could Edward Cabrera transition into the bullpen and become a high leverage righty reliever? In reality, of course he could. In my opinion, though, I have a feeling that Eddie Cabrera is going to end up a big stalwart of the Marlins rotation in 24. It's going to be a big year for Eddie. No minor league options remaining. The Marlins will absolutely give him every opportunity to, to come out as a starter. They're going to need him as a starter. But, you know, if things change, there is an opportunity to maybe transition Eddie Cabrera into the, the bullpen. However, the guy that I'm very interested about is Max Meyer. I'm interested in Max Meyer in the fun, first question you've got to ask is, does Max Meyer's pitch mix, is he a major league starting pitcher? Do we know the answer to that yet? We don't know the answer to that. So that's the first question. Is his pitch mix enough to get big league, big league hitters out three times through the order? Not sure yet. How is he going to return from injury? Another question mark. I think piecing those two together, there is a chance, a possibility, a probability is probably a bit strong to suggest that Max Meyer and his future may well be in the bullpen as a high leverage arm. That will not be the outcome the Marlins are looking for from a first round pick. And he'll still be given every opportunity to work his way back as a starter. I'm not saying that's what I expect. I'm saying that Max Meyer will be given every opportunity to be and return as a starter. However, we have to consider that it's primarily a two-pitch mix. He's coming back from TJ. He's undersized. Like many things point to Max Meyer profiling more as a reliever. Maybe, maybe he ends up being like a Spencer Strider type where it's just a two-pitch mix, but it just blows everyone away. Possibly. You know, there's a whole host of options and situations for Max Meyer. But I think he's the most likely guy to transition from a starter to a reliever and slot into that Marlins bullpen to beef it up, particularly from the right side. A lot of people were thinking about it in 23 when like, he was kind of working his way back, then got set back, didn't end up making his way back. But he was absolutely the type of thing that the Marlins needed, hence why they went and got David Robertson. That blew up in their face, but it is what it is. One final guy, just to call out. We're talking about relievers, potential relievers. Sixto Sanchez. Could Sixto make his way all the way back to the big leagues? Maybe the body and the shoulder and the arm and all of this, maybe it will not support a starting pitcher workload. But could Sixto Sanchez transition into a bullpen piece? I mean, it feels like a long shot, a serious long shot at this point with Sixto Sanchez. He also is out of minor league options. The Marlins now have zero flexibility with Sixto Sanchez. In my opinion, with Sixto right now, the most likely is that Sixto Sanchez is DFA'd at some stage during this offseason. I don't know when, but for me, it looks pretty obvious that Sixto is miles away from any major league action at this point. Is it his fault? Don't know. The injuries have kicked in. It's really hampered him. We haven't seen him for years. He's been carried on the 40-man ever since. We've had weekly updates for some unknown reason for multiple years. I know why. It's the optics. The Marlins don't want to have to shut the door on the JT Riamuto trade. They don't. But that's a wash now. They're cooked. It's lost. 
Sixto, we flashed it all in 2020, but for whatever reason, injury, mentality, loads of reasons potentially, I think his time with the Marlins is likely done. I think they also move on from Sixto Sanchez this offseason, likely as a straight-up DFA situation for Sixto. There's no space on the roster for him. And at some point, I think he will be removed from the roster. The Marlins may look to trade him, but who is ever going to give anything back right now for Sixto Sanchez? You have no roster flexibility. So there's just no way. Right now, the Marlins have run out of time with Sixto waiting and hoping. You never know. You could DFA him, and he could he could go unclaimed, pass through waivers, and maybe he accepts an outright, he's outrighted to, to AAA and can pitch in AAA or AA in 2024. I feel like this, this relationship needs a clean break. I think Sixto Sanchez has a good chance he never pitches again in any kind of professional capacity as a baseballer. It's sad, really sad, because the, the, the potential was absolutely there. We saw it flash in 2020. But no Sixto Sanchez for, for the Marlins in 24. We'll wait and see. Guys, in my opinion, this bullpen is relatively set. Kim Ang did a great job assembling this bullpen, and this bullpen was the MVP of the Marlins in 2023. The Marlins and the bullpen is going to miss Kim Ang and some of the moves she made to piece this pen together. Tana Scott is elite and should be extended immediately. It's a no-lose situation for the Marlins. Their window could be shortening, but they'd be right to extend Tanner Scott, give them the ultimate situation, getting an ultimate return for one of the, potentially one of the best relievers in the game. Stephen O'Kurt, for me, is one lefty too many. Disappointing ending to 23, I think he's likely traded. When I look at the potential uh, candidates to come in, from a starter and to make a, a meaningful impact in this bullpen, I look at Max Meyer. I'm intrigued to see how the Marlins handle Max Meyer. I'm intrigued to see what Max Meyer returns from his Tommy John. But for a guy that maybe profiles as a reliever, potentially in 24, his best value to the Marlins will be as a reliever. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listener of the day, guys. Uh, that's been Monday's episode on the 30th of October. And of course, I'll be back tomorrow. As we look at the starting rotation, Max Meyer will be discussed. Sixto Sanchez, probably not, but there's plenty to talk about in this rotation. I look forward to seeing you then.